Hey, good morning once again. It's great to see you here at Hope and Anchor Church. Today we are continuing in our Law and Prophets teaching series, and this is week 12 of a, I believe, a 17-part series. So we're on the home stretch. Uh, today, uh, today's message is called Hollow Practices. Hollow Practices. Uh, let's start here. Uh, I feel like I, I'm okay at reading the room sometimes, and I know you guys fairly well, so I try to I try to start in a place we can relate to. So I want to start with a question. Anyone else here feel like a mess sometimes? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, all right, that resonates. All right, good. Some of us in any given week can at certain times feel kind of like a big mess, like we're just all out of sorts, like uh, <laughs> we don't even know how many chickens we have. Do we have chickens? Or ducks? It's ducks. See, I, it's about ducks, and I said chickens. How many ducks do we have? I mean, i got to know if I even have ducks to get them in a row before I get my ducks in a row. Do you ever feel like you just might be a big walking bag of contradictions? That you might be just a big walking bag of contradictions and conflicting, competing priorities like on any given day, you just really can't get out of your own way. It's like the biggest obstacle to you doing the right thing is you. <laughs> it's like the biggest obstacle you run into in life, keeping you from achieving that which you desire to achieve or that which you feel like God is calling you to do, it's you. It's not this outside force. It's not this outside factor or this group of people acting against you. It's you. Oh my goodness. Here's what I mean. Maybe this will help unpack this. We want to follow Jesus. We want to follow Jesus, but we also don't like to be told what to do. Anyone else feel that way? Yeah. We want to serve Jesus, but... We also like making our own decisions. You feel this push-pull inside of you. We want to honor Jesus, but we're also kind of stubborn, and we really don't bow very easily. We just don't like to bow. We don't like to serve someone else. It's hard for us because the path of following Jesus, it inevitably leads us into conflict and that conflict is sometimes, yes, with the world, but every day that conflict is with ourselves. With ourselves. What is it within us that makes this call to die to yourself and this call to take up your cross so very difficult? Have you considered this before? What is it resident inside of you that makes these basic calls to follow Jesus so challenging, so hard for us. Die to yourself daily. Take up your cross and follow me. We, I mean, we've been in church. We've heard this Christian language, this, these Bible passages so often that we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's us. We got that. We know that. I've even memorized that. That's on my refrigerator at home. But when it comes down to it, the actual daily lived out experience of a Christ follower, we run up against those hard places over and over again. Die to yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Is it our sin? And how does that sin manifest in us? Is it, is it pride? Is it immaturity? Is it insecurity? I think for a lot of us, it's these conflicting priorities. 
We want different things that are in competition with each other. We want different things, things that are pulling us in diametrically opposed positions. There are things within us, yes, that are calling us toward Christ, but then there's still these things lingering in us that are pulling us away from Christ as well. Things that are pulling us toward Him and things that are pulling us away. We're caught in this push-pull tug-of-war with conflicting priorities. I think you know this feeling. I think I can uh, assume that for most of you here, you desire a deeper walk with Jesus. I don't think there's many here that would be like, not really. No, I think most of you would say, yes, yes. I idealize the idea of a deeper walk with Jesus. I want to know what the abundant life feels like. I want a deeper walk with Jesus, but I also really want to do my own thing. I want to follow Jesus, but I want to do it on my terms. I want to follow Him, but I don't really want to die. I don't want to die to myself. I don't want to give up all my desires, my dreams, my priorities for Christ's priorities. Seeking to humble, your, humble, <laughs> seeking to humble yourself before God, but also hoping people notice how awesome you are at being humble. So anyone ever felt that tension? I want to be humble before God. I truly want to be a humble person, but along the way it'd be okay if people notice how really good I am at being humble. I kind of want to be among my friends the best at being humble. You know? One year, uh, one year when I was young, a young lad, we decided to deliver a Thanksgiving basket to a family in need from our church. We were going to bring them a turkey, we were going to bring them pie, stuffing, rolls, all of it. And it was going to be a surprise. The family didn't know that we were bringing it, they didn't expect us to bring it. It was going to be a Thanksgiving miracle. We were going to surprise them with a Thanksgiving meal in a year, in a time when it was really difficult for them. We were going to stealthily place the Thanksgiving basket on their front porch. Unbeknownst to them, we were going to place it on their porch. We were going to ring their doorbell and then run away. Run. Run away. They would open their door and find a Thanksgiving miracle. A Thanksgiving miracle from God Himself provided by His ministering anonymous angels. Us. We loved the idea. Yes, we loved the idea of blessing someone, and we really couldn't wait to do it. We felt excitement. Excitement about this opportunity. We parked down the street, and we carried the big box down the sidewalk, and we quietly slid it onto their stoop, and then we nervously extended a finger, and then quickly rang their doorbell. <laughs> And from inside, we could hear the muffled tones of their doorbell going off as we ran away. We fled the scene. We leapt back into our car, and we pre were prepared to drive away when our conflicting priorities, those conflicting priorities inside of us, had a quiet little head-on collision. Inside of us, these competing priorities rose up and crashed like two giant waves within us. We should have driven away right then, but we waited. 
We waited. We lingered just long enough to see the mother of the family open the door, see the box, and then see us as we were driving away. You see, we parked down the street, but not too far down the street. We kind of wanted to be noticed, but we also wanted it to look like we didn't really want to be noticed. Have you ever done this? It's like, yeah. We loved blessing this family in Jesus' name, but we also kind of loved being seen doing it too. <laughs> I hate telling you this story. It's funny, yeah, but it's awkward. I know what was going inside, on inside of me. We kind of wanted to be noticed doing it, but we also wanted it to look like we didn't want to be noticed doing it. What a mess! What a mess! We loved blessing this family in Jesus' name, but we also kind of loved being seen doing it too. Can you relate to this story? Maybe it's not been a Thanksgiving box or a Thanksgiving feast that you bless someone with, but it's something. Is this the kind of stuff that goes on inside of you? Or is this just me? Am I peculiar? Am I just an unusually prideful, terrible person up here? I hope not. That's subtle, isn't it? You hit the gas just a little more slowly than you could just so that you could be seen driving away and that person will be like, ah, I know who did this. Bless their hearts. They're such good people. Mm. You see, whether or not it's just me or if it's all of us, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. He knows this about us. He knows about our contradictions. He knows about our conflicting, competing priorities that are inside all of us. This is why Jesus spends so much time on the Sermon on the Mount pointing out our struggles. Pointing out our struggles, yes, but then taking the next step and helping guide us in a better way. Leading us toward freedom. Oftentimes, freedom from ourselves. Freeing us from our own entanglements. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, Jesus again shines his light right at our struggle. And I know that all the time, all the things Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount may not apply to you as particularly or as sensitively. But man, this is a week that hits close to home for me. And I, I, I wager that it hits kind of close to home for some of us in this room. Jesus points his light right at our struggle. This time Jesus is targeting uh, the practice of fasting. Fasting. Fasting was a common practice in Jesus' day. And fasting in, in and of itself as a spiritual practice is one that offers us much in the life of faith. So let's go to Jesus' teachings in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 16 through 18. And this is right after the Lord's Prayer, His teachings on prayer, which we talked about last week. But in verse 16, He continues on, He says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Let me read it one more time. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. 
For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Now verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Now, regular fasting, the, pa the practice of fasting was a hallmark of the religious life. And it still is, but probably to a lesser degree. Uh, people who fasted, uh, it was part of their religious life and it signified a deep devotion. You only fasted if you were really devoted to your faith, right? One who was willing to do without food in order to do with God was intentionally pressing into the life of faith and they were taking prayer very seriously. This is what fasting ought to signify, right? Those who fasted, and fasting properly says to yourself and it says to the Lord that you clearly want more and more of Him. I mean, fasting is a time of, uh, of, of a, uh, it kind of pushes you to extremity, where you're pressing into the Spirit, into the life with God, because why? You want more of God. You want more of God in your life. But here's the thing. Like so many other things in our life, in the area of fasting, we can lose focus. Our priorities can drift, and our intentions can become compromised as we start peeking during the prayer, or parking where we can be seen. Our flesh can really creep into the <coughs> practice of our fasting so that we start looking at an audience beyond God. We can end up turning fasting, just like so many other things in the life of faith, into these hollow practices. Hollow practices. Something that's showing a picture to the world but inside it's hollow. <coughs> Excuse me. Now Jesus says, when you fast, Jesus is assuming that we will fast at times. We will create space for prayer and for increased intimacy with the Father. When we fast, <coughs> will you make a drink of water, please? <coughs> When we fast, we naturally grow hungry. We naturally grow hungry. And we experience discomfort. Perhaps you've done an extended fast before. And you know that you get pretty quickly these hunger pangs. And what I like to do when I... <coughs> Thank you, sorry. <laughs> So the hunger pangs we feel when we fast, they can serve, uh, I like to imagine, like a church bell. A church bell that begins tolling, calling us to prayer, reminding us to turn instead to a plate full of food, turning instead to God Himself. Turning to Christ, those hunger pangs, they remind us of our need for more than bread, of our deeper spiritual need for the Word of God in our lives. Has this been your experience with fasting? <coughs> mm. 
But many who were fasting in Jesus' day, they were doing this, presenting this picture to the world, but at the end of it all, they were play-acting. They were pretending. <coughs> While fasting, they were advertising their piety. They were advertising their piety, going around with tangled beards and, and messed up hair. They'd, they'd spread ashes on their face, announcing to everyone that they would meet, Hey, I am fasting. I'm fasting. Oh, I, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'm, I'm fasting. Oh, why do I look this way? <laughs> I'm fasting. I'm taking my walk with, with Yahweh very, very seriously. <coughs> oh, this old thing. <laughs> I just threw this on today because I'm fasting. Jesus actually calls these people hypocrites. Do you know what hypocrites means? Hmm? It means fake, but it actually means actor. An actor, someone who put on makeup and played a part on stage for the entertainment of others. These people that do this, they're hypocrites. They're play actors. They are playing a part, and here Jesus says to them, Hey, wow, wow, oh wow, look at you. Look at you with your messed up hair and your tangled beard. That ash all over your face, nice work. <laughs> I mean, you've, you're play acting extremely well. Pay attention to the applause you're getting, the notice you're getting from those around you, because that's all you're going to receive. Their applause is all you're going to get, so enjoy it. Enjoy it. As N.T. Wright points out, this passage is about priorities, and the central priority is God himself. No question about the importance of putting God first, but the catch is that because God is loving and gentle and wants us to choose to love and serve him freely rather than to be forced into it like slaves, it often seems, even to Christians who have in principle decided to give their lives to him, that there are many different things they could do. And often the different things start to take over, not least when they make money or bring fame. This passage is all about learning to love and serve God for himself and in secret, rather than simply having an eye on the main chance, either to show off by being so religious or to store up wealth for yourself. Serving God for himself. Love and serve God for himself. But so many other things creep in. Our religious uh, thinking, our religious imagination can lead us to do other things that we think are going to make us more serious and going to press us further into the life with God but end up being distractions, pulling us away, seeking a different audience. So Jesus continues in verse 17 and 18, But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your Father, who knows what you do in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. See, even in that 17, this isn't in my notes, but in verse 17, we could read something like that and turn that into a religious practice that we could show off. Suddenly someone comes in wearing a, like a top hat and a three-piece tuxedo and a cane, and we're like, whoa, what's that all about? It's like, oh, I'm fasting. You know, wash your face, comb your hair. They come in with an excessively washed face and extremely coiffed hair. It's like, that person must be fasting. We can take anything Jesus tells us and turn it into a thing in itself, an end rather than a means to a greater end. Jesus wants to recalibrate our attitudes and free us from the idolatry of self. When you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. To truly, to truly fast... 
To truly fast, we are to discipline ourselves. And in disciplining ourselves, we must suppress the urge for recognition. We must suppress the urge for recognition. We comb our hair, we wash our face, and we dress as if God is the only one noticing. If you're fasting today, there should be nothing obvious about the fact that you're fasting. You know, how do we do that? Now we have to turn inward toward the, toward the work of the Spirit in our life and say, God, you dress me in this. I want to dress for you. You are my audience. When we do this well, and when we do this rightly, we place ourselves more and more in the presence of God. And we place ourselves, center ourselves more properly in our relationship with Him. And in that, we find that our priorities are sorted out. When we pay more and more attention to, to, the, to the work of Christ in our life, we find ourselves paying less and less attention to those competing voices, those conflicting priorities in our lives, and it's easier to stay tuned in. We find that we're not so conflicted anymore, and our priorities get sorted out. The dying to self comes first when we decide to sacrifice and then that dying to self comes second when we consciously choose to do it in obscurity in a way that only God notices. So there's two levels here. If you thought about it this way, that the first dying to self happens when you decide, I will fast, I will do without so that I might do more with God. That's the first level of dying to self. And then comes the second level of dying to self, which is sometimes harder. And I will do it in a way that no one notices. I will not announce this. I will not trumpet it. I will not <laughs> shout it to the world. I will not go out with it obvious. I will not even ask a prayer request about it. Yeah, you know how we do that, right? It's like, hey, if you guys could be praying for me, I'm on a 40-day fast. And I could really use your prayer as I climb the mountain of extreme holiness. Thank you. So we decide, I will press into God and I will die to myself by choosing to do without. I will fast. And then that second level saying, and I will do it in obscurity. <laughs> I will do it so that only God can know us. I'll be particular about how I go about this experience so that only God will notice. This obscurity becomes a sort of second level fasting in itself. Starving yourself of notice, starving yourself of accolades. That sometimes, my friends, is even harder. When we fast then, with the right attitude and for the proper audience, we discover, as Jesus promises, the blessing of God. More and richer, deeper life with Him. We grow in spiritual maturity. We grow in our sense of His presence in our lives, His guiding, His direction, and the, the fruits of the Spirit in us. So, fasting. On a scale of 1 to 10, how, how familiar would you say you are with the practice, the spiritual discipline of, of fasting? On a scale of 1 to 10. Hey, don't feel bad. I'm, I'm like a 3 or a 4. I, I don't fast a lot. I'm <laughs> I run way too much. <laughs> There's all these reasons, God. But anyway. Um, six. Six, okay. I mean, some of you fast more, some don't. I mean, this, this is like a problem. Like, no one's going to raise their hand now. <laughs> Sorry. 
But think about it. How familiar are you with the, the spiritual discipline of fasting? This fasting that Jesus is talking about. Have you discovered, uh, to some degree then, the reward that comes from true fasting? I hope you have. I mean, there's a special communion that comes from fasting, especially multiple days of fasting, that is really remarkable. And it's very uh, unique, I think. What are some of the ways that you've experienced God's blessing in those times? Have you ever fasted from more than food? Have you ever done a fast from something that isn't food? Is that possible? Is that allowed? Oh, yes, indeed. You can fast from more than food. While, while fasting typically means going without eating, it can also apply to other areas in our life. What are some of those areas? Coffee? If the Lord calls you to it, yes. What are some other areas that maybe you've, you've thought about, hey, that you could fast in this area? Media. Media, okay. What else? Work? <laughs> Sometimes we need to fast from work. We need to discipline ourselves to be unavailable at 5 p.m. or whatever so that we can be available to our family, be available to the work of God, and to be available to rest, right? Uh, we, can be, uh, we can choose to fast in the areas of work, of Netflix, of money, of stuff, Amazon, <laughs> social media. Really, any area of your life that is growing outside of its banks, that is getting a little too big for its britches, maybe consuming too much of your time and attention, that's an area maybe you should ask, how might I fast in this area? Bring this under the lordship of Jesus. Bring it under appropriate discipline. How could I die to myself in this area? It can really apply to a lot of different things. And why is fasting important? Well, because we live in a frenetic, overloaded world. We live in a frenetic, overloaded time. It's easy for our walk to Jesus to be consumed, to be crowded out. It's easy for Jesus' voice in our life to get drowned out by all the noise. I know you've experienced this. In true fasting, whether we're fasting from food or from activity, we are being given an invitation in fasting, when Jesus says, when you fast, he's offering to us an invitation into what? He's offering us an invitation into a quiet communion with God, a special, a special sort of feasting, a special sort of feasting in the presence of God. But be on your guard. The biggest obstacle to that feast lies within you. The biggest challenge to overcome, the biggest obstacle that keeps you from enjoying that feast that's offered to you in the practice of fasting, it's inside of you. We must be careful. We must be careful. We must ruthlessly squelch that need to be noticed. And that's hard in our world now. I think harder maybe than any other time in history because we have access to the watching world 24 hours a day. The click of a button. We can put out something to the world that just gives people insight into who we are and how great we are, how serious we are about this or that. We must be careful. We must ruthlessly squelch our need to be noticed. Starving our craving for the sugary sweetness, the easy praise of recognition. Starving our craving for that low-hanging fruit of admiration by the crowd. 
Guys, we have to get that under control. We have to offer that in itself to Jesus. Say, take this. Let me hunger and thirst for righteousness more than I hunger and thirst for recognition. More than I hunger and thirst for my friends to identify me or to think this of me. Baptize this. Nowadays, we don't tangle with our, we don't tangle up our hair, we don't mess up our beards, we don't smear ashes on our face to signal our piety or our religious seriousness uh, when we fast. But guys, we still find ways to act like hypocrites. We still find ways to go out into the watching world uh, acting like hypocrites. The same kind of hypocrites that Jesus is talking about. Sometimes we just do it from behind our laptops, but we still do it. We want the world, we want to say to the world, look how caring, look how conscientious I am. Look how serious I am about these social issues. Look how serious I am about my faith. So we humble brag on social media. Do you know what humble bragging is? We want to bring oblique notice to our acts of caring and compassion so that people will think highly of us. So we humble brag on social media. We change our profile pictures, <laughs> uh, uh, the little borders around our profile pictures uh, to signal our virtue to the world. Look how exceptionally, uh, exceptionally good and thoughtful I am compared to all the rest of these plebeians. Look, I put the ring on my picture. It's because I care, unlike the rest of these idiots. We conspicuously comment on other people's stuff. Uh, we make prayer requests. <laughs> you know, that's really endemic inside the church, using our prayer request time for either gossip or self-praise. <laughs> but that's another sermon. Um, here's the thing. Once you become aware of it, once you start to be on the lookout for it in your life, you find it creeping in from all different angles. You notice it more and more in your life. It's like, wow, am I doing this to bless somebody? Genuinely, 100%, am I doing this to honor God and be faithful to His calling in my life? Or to what degree am I doing this so that others will notice and others will think I'm great? It's hard for us to do the right thing, but it's even harder for us to do the right thing in private. This is one of the ways that we can practice daily dying to ourselves. This is why Jesus makes such a big deal about this. Hey, if you're going to follow me, be prepared to die. And be prepared to die daily. Take up your cross daily and follow after me. This is one of those ways that you, starting today, can practice dying to yourself. You can practice what we call the little deaths. Oh, here's an opportunity for me to die. I'll die a little death right now. I'll choose not to open my trap and tell people about how awesome I am. I'll choose not to post this. I'll actually choose to do something instead of talk about doing something. I'll actually make effort in this area uh, of injustice. I'll, I'll actually go out and work to alleviate oppression, and I'll say nothing about it on social media. <sighs> that's like someone who ran a marathon and didn't tell anybody about it. I mean, that's like unheard of. I mean, starving the need to be noticed. Practicing the little deaths, starving our pride, and offering that obscurity to Jesus. Say, yes, I will honor you as if you're the only audience. You're the only one of, that, I'm, that I'm seeking 
to honor in this. To, to, I want this to be a, an act of praise to you and you alone, not to myself. The little deaths. So, whether we are serving or giving or praying or fasting or dropping off Thanksgiving dinners for a family in need in a strategically secret, not so secret way, keep a close watch on that heart of yours. Keep a close watch on that heart of yours. Beware of those hollow practices that can come in and infect your faith. Don't miss out on the blessing that comes from truly worshiping God, from truly offering all areas of your life, all the practices of your faith to Him and to Him alone. Blessing. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone because God is your audience of one. At the end of it all, <laughs> there's only one that matters. May everything you do in following after Jesus, the way you die these little deaths, the way that you seek to cultivate fruit in your life, the way that you seek to be a blessing to the world, may it be truly for an audience of one. Settle no longer for the cheap reward of the crowd. Settle no more for that cheap reward. Because at the end, it's a bad trade. None of us will look back and say, man, the applause I got from the watching world the likes I got on social media. Nothing in compared to hearing God look at you and say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the little things. Now be rewarded with the big things. Well done. May we settle in our hearts that we will live for Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for the teachings of Jesus. Thank you for the word that we have, the scriptures that have been saved for us, where we can look and hear Jesus speak, not just to a group gathered on a hillside, but hear Jesus speak to us. And all those people, those men and women and children gathered around Jesus and Matthew um, on that hillside during the Sermon on the Mount, man, they're a lot like us. And technology hasn't really changed that about us. Scientific advancement hasn't changed that about us. Interconnectivity through digital online worlds, that hasn't changed us. It's all just the same with us. We are walking bags of contradictions. We are walking bags of conflicting, competing priorities. And you know this about us. And I love it that you didn't come and just, just beat us over the head. You didn't just come and you know, slap us silly. You, you actually came and said, hey, be careful. Jesus, you came and you said, hey, I know this is hard and I know this is a challenge and I know this is a way that you can even set out doing to do the right thing but end up doing the wrong thing. Your purposes can be drawn aside. You become distracted and you can become deceived. So be careful. Be careful when you pray. Be careful when you give. And be careful when you fast. Oh, the life with, the life with God the inner walk, the, the, the quiet practices of the faith, they are a rich feast. But it's a path that's also beset with, 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 with pitfalls. There's ways to be called off course into the ditches of distraction. You can be either start seeking the praise of others or you can start seeking uh, the praise of yourself. Uh, just the legalism. Trusting in the form rather than the one who called you. And so God, I pray that you'd be at work in our lives here. Lord, I know it's not maybe in the area specifically of fasting, but man, 
there are ways when if we look for it, we find that we've been kind of prideful. We've been wanting a little bit of the honor and praise for ourselves. So God, give us an appetite to starve ourselves of the praise of others, the applaud of the crowd. God, may we learn today, daily, as we practice the little deaths, to give all the praise and all the glory and all the honor to you. Lord, I pray for my friends here who've been struggling, that maybe have been laboring under this, 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 this contradiction in themselves. I pray for my friends, too, that maybe haven't even thought about it until today, and all of a sudden they do feel a bit of conviction. God, I pray that they would respond rightly by pressing into you and say, God, grow me in this. Teach me. Search me. God, I want to honor you in this and in all areas of my life, and through that I want to bless the world. I want to be a better kind of person in my relationships, in my family, in my workplace, in my school. I want to be the kind of person that has that quiet communion with you. And so, God, grow me in that. Help me care only for your praise and your blessing. Lord, I offer my whole life to you. Lord, I pray for my friends who've never followed Jesus here today. I pray that they would see this as the way that leads to life and hear this invitation. Jesus is calling you to come close. The Word says that if you believe with your mouth, or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. And this is what salvation leads to. The life with God. An ongoing day-by-day -day investment. The Holy Spirit walking with us, guiding us, growing us, pruning us. So God, I pray for everyone here today that we would commit deeply in our hearts to singularly follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to worship a bit more. And this is a time for you to sit with the Lord and, and have that conversation. Say, search me and know me. If there's any wicked, distracted, prideful way in me, point it out so that I might offer that to you. And then this week, I'd encourage you, find ways to practice honoring God and blessing others in intentional obscurity. Do the right thing in a way that no one will notice. Practice those little deaths and just see what happens.